Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial. I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals, and this is the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, I'm pleased to welcome someone who's going to teach us how to become not just bolder, but super bold. And please join me in welcoming Fred Joyle, who's the president of the Fred Joyle Company. Fred, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Dave, very excited to be here. Yeah, so you're the author of Super Bold. Why don't you tell the uh, audience a little bit about who you are, and then we'll jump into the conversation. So I'm an author, a public speaker, an executive coach, and uh, I was the founder of 1-800-DENTIST, which became the largest dentist referral service in the country. Uh, and over the course of the 25 years I ran it, generated over a billion dollars in revenue, uh, sold it in its decline. But over the years, I learned how to grow my own personal boldness muscle to uh, exceptional levels from a very shy standpoint, and eventually decided to put it into a book how I did it so that anyone can do it. So that's my latest book is Super Bold from Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. And it's a bold promise, but it can be done. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, just there that when you were, uh, you know, the founder of 1-800-DENTIST, you were not sort of an outgoing, charismatic, should I say, super bold kind of guy, but you, you learned how to do it. Uh, how did you gain those skills along the way? I started to emulate bold people. I, I, I kept looking at them saying, why are they like this? Why do they not process rejection like I do? And uh, why are they never stopping themselves and never hesitating? Because I just would keep missing opportunities and and be hesitant and underconfident in so many situations, uh, whether it was work-related or, or meeting women or whatever it was. Uh, and I just realized I had to be uncomfortable while I was trying to become older. And what happened is I expanded my comfort zone gradually over the years to the point where I can walk on stage and speak to 5,000 people and I'm just energized and excited. I'm not, I don't have any stage fright or any anxiety at all. Uh, and I can meet anybody I want uh, and have met amazing people over the years because I no longer stop myself. I believe I'm worthy of speaking to anyone in any situation. And, uh, and so in the book, I talk a lot about the social skills that you need to develop as well as you become bolder. But I have a systematic way for anyone to build their boldness muscle steadily upward, because uh, that's what I had to do just because I got really frustrated with myself and actually got a little angry at a, a few opportunities that just totally slipped away from me. Um, so it, it's, it, it was a very slow process for me. And then I figured out how to accelerate it for anybody else. Yeah. So when you talk about speaking comfortably on stage, uh, it's been said that the fear of public speaking is actually greater than the fear of death. So we'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. And you alluded to that you had to feel worthy to do it. So worthy speaks to mindset. Talk a little bit about the importance of the mindset shift that has to occur here, Fred, to become super bold. Yeah, the, the big thing that I noticed about bold people is they acted like they belonged wherever they were. And that's a big shift. If you can just get yourself to 
believe that you belong wherever you are and that you belong everywhere and that and to erase that tape that says i am not worthy i you know i'm not rich enough i'm not successful enough i'm not interesting enough you just have to push that down you may still hear that voice but you gotta not listen to it because we're all human beings we're all flawed human beings nobody's cool a hundred percent of the time nobody's always interesting nobody's interesting to everybody and so you when you suspend that and just move into the world like you belong there suddenly the world starts responding that way and it, I, i've proven it to myself and you can prove it to yourself too when you do it you just say wow people are just treating me like i belong here i mean i've been underdressed in certain situations with a bunch of very successful people and i'm i don't even worry about the fact that i don't even have the right attire on i act like i belong there and that's how they treated me and so that's when you can shift that and and the other big thing is to release that that concern about what everybody's thinking about you bold people say this thing which is really a, a brilliant insight which is uh other people's opinions of me are none of my business they they don't aggregate the entire group's judgment of that they just let it go because it's there's only a few people that are whose opinions really matter to them and they know that everybody has weird judgments and we judge people instantly based on their height or their haircut or their glasses or or you know whatever they're wearing we we're we're masters at instant judgment and we're wrong about 97% of the time about the person so realize that people are doing that and it's not accurate and just let it go and it's a big mindset shift when you can do that yeah, and I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to maybe offer the audience maybe some actionable tips on how to do that mindset shift. Because what, what I'm hearing in that really is the act as if or fake it till you make it, right? It's the air that I, I do belong, even though in your mind you're still saying no. So there's a lot of head trash going on when you talk about self-confidence and taking that, that lack of confidence or shyness and becoming bold or dare I even say super bold, but not crossing the line to arrogance. So... What can folks who are watching and listening right now who are thinking to themselves, yeah, that's all well and good, Fred, but I, I know deep down I'm really yeah, not worthy. What, what do you tell them? Uh, just say that, that perfectionism is a trap a lot of people fall into. It's like I have to, I'm not clever enough, I'm not interesting enough, I'm not witty enough, uh, I'm not successful enough. Listen to that tape. Um, and, and realize how, is that really helpful? And is that really necessary to even believe? How is that helping? And so the, one of the things I tell people is don't believe everything you think because all of this trash that's coming into your head has been put there by somebody else. And we spend an enormous amount of energy worrying about those judgments of other people and telling ourselves we're not worthy if you just move beyond it and it takes it takes a gradual process my book is full of exercises that move you up very gradually it starts non-verbally just smile at 10 people a day and when somebody doesn't smile back don't take it on personally this could be the worst day of their life they could have bad teeth <laughs> they don't smile at anybody so you start to do that stuff and then 
talk to strangers. Talk to a stranger every day. People say, "What? what how could I start? I, I say, everywhere you go, just talk to somebody. You're in an elevator. You're in the line at Starbucks. You're in the line at the grocery store. Talk to somebody. And stop worrying about being interested. Stop worrying about being clever. Just be nice. Be social. Make a casual observation. Offer a compliment. One of the most powerful things you can do is just what I call a drive-by compliment, which is just randomly offer a compliment. Wow, that, those glasses look great on you. I don't know where you found that handbag, but it really goes with everything you're wearing. And, and, have, and this is really powerful. Have no agenda. That is so critical when you're meeting people. And this is this goes across the board. And so many people think, oh, I've got a network. I've got a I've got a I've got to get a potential client or or a mentor or or a referral or something like that. We people can smell that on you. They can smell it just like desperation. When you suspend your agenda and just are going for connection and just being interested and curious about other people and making them feel better about themselves, doors swing wide open. People open up completely in those situations. Just start doing that. And you'll, and the feedback loop will build over and over again from doing it till it becomes your default mode. Yeah, I love that. A lot of good stuff in those uh, pieces of advice you just shared. Love the idea of playing with it, toying with the idea of becoming super bold in the elevator at the grocery store, where, like you say, there's no agenda. I mean, this, this is a person that you don't know. They're, it's not like they're going to be able to do something or not do something for you. So you can really flex those muscles in advance. And your point about the no agenda when networking, I mean, I, I preach that all the time because it, it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. Fred, for the folks who are watching and listening, if they want to learn more about you, how they can work with you, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, the easiest place is fredjoyle.com. Uh, you can uh, download the first chapter of my book. Uh, you can see some lectures that I've done on boldness. Uh, you can see me doing keynotes in general if, you, if you're interested in that. Uh, and the books are on uh, Amazon in all forms, Kindle, Audible, and hardcover. And it's me reading the book. Gotcha. Yeah, we're going to put a, a, an image up on the screen now of the book, but I, I want to ask you while that's going up, we only have a few minutes to go in this first segment. Um, you do workshops, you mentioned. What can folks learn when they go to your workshop, Fred, when they're to magnify what they're getting out of the book? So the workshop is designed to be an accelerated form of what the book does, which is to move you gradually upward. What it's going to, what the workshop does is it creates a safe environment for you to feel really uncomfortable as you test these things out. And I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you and challenge your beliefs and, and put you in action, uh, in the room with people that you're going to spend a decent amount of time standing up in front of people. And in some ways it's almost like speaker training, but you're going to get up and talk about something very personal, uh, and, and learn to just embrace that. And, and also learn some of the key points in the book. And then actually it's a two day course on Friday night of the course of the first night, I send you out into the world with your wing person and you've got to do five exercises out there, you know, uh, that are 
based on your level, whatever level you are at. Because some people come in and they're painfully shy. They can barely meet a stranger. And other people are confident most of the time, except when it matters most. And that's what's bothering them is they're, they're, they say, why am I so confident until it's important? And so the, the exercises range from pretty simple to pretty wild, depending on, on how you are. But what you'll come away with a totally different sense of how to, to transform yourself in the moment to act, to speak up, to try things and realize not only do you don't die, it's kind of fun and that people respond to it. And then you become not just equipped with the, the method of doing this, which is in the book and in applying it in every situation, you become a student of boldness. You start to observe bold people and say, wow, look at how they did that. That was so interesting. They just walked in, they spoke up, they they relaxed in that situation and just said what, what they wanted to say. And it becomes a lifelong process, but you're in, in, in accelerated mode because you've learned the foundation of it. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Fred, two minutes to go here. I want to sneak in one last question. And uh, I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, your connection with the game show Jeopardy. So this this is one of those things that that just happens uh, is that uh, they just used because I was in all of the TV commercials, the eight hundred dentist commercials. So I became the face of the business. So I get a text from a friend of mine, and and he says, "Dude, you're on Jeopardy." And I know I'm not on Jeopardy. And, and, and he says, and he sends me a video of I was uh, a Jeopardy question. Um, and, uh, and so the, the answer was uh, Fred Joyle shines his pearly whites in this 800 number commercial. Because that was the category was 800 numbers. <laughs> and they just did it because I had been out there so much. So that's my, my weird claim to fame is I actually, and, and me had, and so the, 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 the question is what is 1-800-DENTIST? That's, you know, the way Jeopardy is questioned and answered. So that was, that was this great little thing, but I was also on, are you smarter than a fifth grader and managed to lose a quarter of a million dollars on that show? Cause I went for the last question, but, they ran the episode forever because I went for the last question. So that was the bold move in that show was, was really tr going for it and creating great television. And of course I had an 800 dentist logo on my shirt and everything. It became like a million dollars of free promotion because I went for the big question. Nice. We're going to have to take a quick pause here on that note, but you definitely know you made it when you're a Jeopardy question, Fred. Fred, you sit tight. Uh, you folks watching and listening, don't go anywhere, please. We are going to pay a few bills, and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break on Behind the Numbers. Let's go, Walter. Up to you. Walter. Clock. Come on, bud, you're scaring him. Walter, Walter. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning. Okay, last one. Came a hole, 
Beside the crystal fountain, so come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountain. That is incredible. I know, right? It's the multi-flex tailgate. It can be a step, you can extend the bed, it can even become a workspace. I meant the cat. What's so great about him? He didn't have a workspace. He's a cat. <laughs> the Chevy Silverado with the available multi-flex tailgate. Walter. Go get some firewood. Find new adventures. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Iorio. I'm the host of Rainmakers Roundup right here on RVN TV. The show is about looking for people who are in competitive businesses that are doing something different and unique in the world of sales and marketing. Join me right here on Rainmakers Roundup on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. and then again on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m. right here on RVN-TV. The right way to top a sub is with real red wine vinegar made from red grapes and no food coloring. And the right way to film it is in slow motion, obviously. Because authentic ingredients make a sub above. you when it comes to relationships. I'm Dr. Donna Marie and this is Grace and Space. We're talking the highs, the lows, and everything in between when it comes to life and love and relationships. Join me here, Grace and Space, on RVN, the Compassion Healing Network. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Fred Joyle, who's the author of Super Bold, and he's teaching us how we all can become more confident and become bolder in our decisions and the way we communicate. And in business, uh, everybody will tell you that boldness matters. You've got to be bold in terms of making decisions, in terms of advocating for yourself. And Fred, I want to spend some time now in this segment talking about the different ways you've seen becoming super bold actually becoming, I'll use the term, transformational in people's lives because I imagine it could be in the same way that it was for you. So why don't we talk first with your work with CEOs? Um, you know, every CEO has to be that person, face of the firm, but much like yourself, they're not always comfortable getting into that role. So what, what do you experience when you start first, first working with these CEOs? Where's their level of boldness to start? Most of the time, they're they're really passionate about their business, um, and but they have these 
blind spots because nobody taught them how to how to be bold in every situation and your ability to meet anybody you want is an incredibly crucial and powerful life skill and so many people can't do that or they don't once they even if they meet somebody they don't know how to behave they don't because their anxiety makes them blab too much and and that you need to have the ability to make that other people other person feel interesting that's a life skill that can be learned but you you have to have built your confidence and boldness muscle to the point where you can bring your full self to any situation but not have not radiate i need something from you and so that's part one being able to meet anybody you want and part two is being really good in front of people you're going to have to you may have groups of of customers you may have a whole team that you need to energize you may you need to be in front of investors getting them excited enough to give you their money because they want to give you the money they they're looking for a reason not to uh but if you if and they need to believe that you are the one that's going to do it. The only way that happens is if you bring your full self. A lot of people think, oh, my deck is going to sell the investment. No, it's not. You are. By, the, by how fully present you are and how passionately you deliver that deck. And that's, that's you, you got to build your boldness to be able to do that. You're going to be super bold because super bold means you're comfortable in every situation. You're radiating your confidence. And so these are, these are critical skills to develop that many entrepreneurs don't develop. They're not good at giving feedback to team members. They're not good at getting feedback. Uh, all of these things, we don't learn how to do these things. So you start a business, you don't know how to do these things. You just invented a product or service. So you have to acquire these skills. Yeah, so you made an interesting point about the acting as if you don't need anything to build that, that confidence muscle. And when you talk about the CEO who now needs to be in front of an investor, now they need something from this person. What do they do to shift from that mindset of not needing something when they know, in fact, that in this conversation, I really need something and this could make a huge difference for me and my company? When you, it's almost the shift from when you're you're meeting somebody and you you have this urge to be interesting, and instead you're just interested in that person, and that makes you interesting by by showing your curiosity about them. That creates the connection. Not being massively interesting when you are presenting your business as an investor. The mindset you need is I am giving you a chance to make a lot of money backing me. I am. This is an offer that benefits you. Shift from I need you to you are going to benefit from me. I am what you're looking for. I am what you need. I am a hardcore, hard driven entrepreneur with a great business model. And I've proven some of the metrics. This is an opportunity for you. You just shift it from, I am, you know, getting on your knees and begging for money in symbolic form to, this is an offer, but I need to know if, if 
you're right for me because I I'm going to be looking for things from you. I'm going to I'm going to want recommendations and guidance from you and support. And we have to get along because there will things will go wrong. Things will be challenging. We'll have to pivot maybe 270 degrees or 720 degrees. Who knows? But I'm looking. I you know it's almost like you I'm choosing whether I want to work with you instead of please please invest in me because that that's that's a little that you you're radiating desperation instead of radiating confidence like somebody's going to put the money in I'm looking for the right person yeah let's figure out if that's you yeah and, and I guess in a similar vein I wanted to also ask you about career planning and career advice you know, for folks who may be listening to the show while they're heading into a job interview, I imagine it's a lot of the same kind of thing, maybe, you know, flipping the script and, and interviewing the other person, but I'll let you answer that. You're the expert here. Having had hundreds and hundreds of employees, the, the worst way to ask for a promotion is to tell me what you need for your lifestyle. Oh, well, I just had another kid. Or my kids are going off to college. It's like, I didn't tell you to spawn, okay? I actually <laughs> need you to do your job. So the best way to ask for a promotion or a raise is to explain what more you're going to bring, how, you know, how you've expanded your skills to add greater value to the business. And you have, to, in the back of your mind, you have to radiate this belief that, you could get a better job somewhere else if they don't want to make this a better job for you. That's what they have to believe. They have to say, wow, I don't want to lose her. She's too good. I, was, I have to promote her. I have to give her a raise. That's what you want them to be thinking. Not, oh, they, they need a raise, so I feel bad, so I'm going to give it to them. That, in the long run, they're going to say, I've had to give you more money for the same return. That doesn't work for me. Talk all about the increased value you're, you're going to be able to bring and that you're constantly working to bring in that business and that you want to bring it to that business. You don't want to have to go somewhere else. You love it here. So that little hint of, uh, I don't want to go somewhere else. In other words, I could go somewhere else because I am valuable to some business and I you know, this is a, such a powerful thing. And my mentor taught me this. Never undervalue yourself. And we are really good at undervaluing ourselves in a lot of situations. Yeah, isn't that Old the truth? Old people never make that mistake. Fred, for folks who want to connect with you and learn how to become bolder, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, my website is fredjoyle.com. Uh, and uh, you can learn all about what I do, keynotes I do, workshops that I'm offering. Uh, you can see some boldness lectures that I've done as well on the site. Uh, and uh, there's uh, two-day workshops that I'm going to be offering around the country. You can see which one's nearest to you. And the book is available on Amazon in hardcover, Kindle, and Audible. And it's me reading the Audible, of course. Nice. Fred, we've got about two and a half minutes or so to go here, so I want to try and keep this brief. But in a microcosm, you shared a story with me about a, a time that you had a conversation with Richard Branson, and it wound up leading to you playing chess with him. And it's a microcosm for what you're talking about here for me, because it really encapsulates the idea of 
acting as if you don't need anything from this other person. And here you are talking to somebody who you know, could be very intimidating. Why don't you share that story with the audience, please? So I was on uh, his island, one of the islands he owns in the British Virgin Islands. And uh, we, we rented it out with a bunch of business people. And I ruptured my Achilles tendon playing tennis there. And he heard that that had happened. And so he came over to me and he said, oh, this is such a bother that this has happened to you. Uh, Do you happen to play chess? And I hadn't played chess in like 30, 35 years. So shy Fred, underconfident Fred would have said, oh, no, I can't. I don't play chess. I'm going to look stupid. I don't remember how to play. I'm not good. He plays chess all the time. I'll I'll feel foolish. So I, I should say no. I didn't listen to that voice. I said, oh, yeah, I play chess. And so he calls somebody, says, bring a chess board over. And he sits down on the couch next to me. And I play such an unorthodox game because I'm not a chess master or anything like that. I'm just like remembering how to play it. He can't figure out what the heck I'm doing. And I end up beating him. And he just looks at me, he goes, oh, you bastard. And, and he sets the board up again to play. And we just start having these conversations about politics and stuff like that. And he's yelling at me for taking too long to, to move. And it, we, I behaved like he was a regular person. And because everybody else comes up to him and they're interviewing him and they're trying to tell him about their business and maybe get them to invest in their business. And he doesn't need any of that stuff. So I just treated him like a regular guy. And for the rest of the week, he kept finding me to play chess. He kept saying, come sit with me at, at the table. There'd be 30 people at the table and he'd make me sit across from him so we could talk because we would have a normal conversation. And it was all because I didn't decide I wasn't good enough to play chess with him or he was too famous or I was going to be embarrassed. I just said, yes, that yeah. was the, that was, and it all blossomed from that. And, and, you know, he's a, he's one of the people I admire most in the world. It's pretty hard to just stay relaxed in that situation where you say, this guy is incredibly successful and I admire him incredibly, but I can also behave like a normal person. And, and the net result was we really connected. And yeah. it was very satisfying for both of us. And I've run into him several times. And it's like the chessboard comes out imme- immediately. He wants, he wants to go again. Yeah, that's a great story. So much nuance in that. But what you were able to do was establish a rapport, become comfortable, and you built a friendship with someone that may otherwise be intimidating. Fred, unfortunately, we are out of time. But I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today how we can all become super bold. It's been my pleasure, Dave. Uh, I look forward to speaking again. Likewise, I, uh, I enjoyed this conversation tremendously, learned a lot. And I know the audience did. And I want to thank you, the audience, for watching and listening here to Behind the Numbers. We can't do it without you. Again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a thumbs up, leave a review, and be sure to subscribe so that you stay in touch with all that we're up to here. That's it for today. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.